Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is when you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. And hold on your how. Man, and we're excited, man. I'm excited, you know, to kind of kick this thing off again. Uh, we're going to have some tremendous guests uh, on our platform this season. But before we get started, before we kind of get into what everybody's uh, joined us to uh, for this, this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're watching. Uh, but, Jay, um, there's been some breaking news. And... Uh, the ruling have kind of came out where uh, athletes can now profit off of their name, image, and likeness. I wanted to kind of just touch on that briefly before we get started. Kind of tell me, you know, how you feel about athletes being able to, you know, make some money while they're in college. Yeah, man, I feel like that, that's great, man. I, I'm in my college days, and when I was hungry at night, <laughs> I was starving. I was like, man, I need, I need some, some lunch or some dinner or something like that. I couldn't do it because I didn't have any money. So I had always next day to school start. So it's big time for those guys to get money now, man. It's great. I'm happy for them. Absolutely. Dre, I think, because I've been a, 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 a advocate about guys being able to compens- uh, be compensated. You know, I, I definitely want – it's murky right now. They, the, the details are still being worked out. You know, state by state kind of organizes um, really more the details. But I'm excited that they get to capitalize off it, especially a lot of these young kids now that has – already big following going into college you got guys that are verified already on instagram and social media platforms they have an audience so it's a good opportunities for business to kind of partner with them and allow them to make money but my only concern is that it's going to get a little murky because i think they're allowing agents to kind of be spearhead these things for these guys so it just kind of gives them an opportunity early on to recruit guys and it you know yeah. the agent game has always been you know kind of murky you know yeah, definitely. definitely so so I just, you know, I'm just interested to see how it will shake out. I definitely want guys to be able to uh, take advantage of that opportunity. And I think it'll be great, but I think it'll continue to work through all of the, 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 the weeds and try to really figure it out today, really get something in place. But I'm excited. I think it's a dope yeah. opportunity. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, I, I'm happy for those guys, man. They they, they, they deserve it. Cause like, they, they play like the NFL. Like, they, they, they practice every day, all day. So they just got extra class to do. So I'm yeah. happy, happy, happy for those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, we're going to jump into what we've been um, what we're all here for. I mean, we're here to bring in and to speak with, I mean, Dre, a hooper. You know, you got people that can play basketball, but I'm talking about a hooper. I've seen her firsthand do the things that she was able to do. And again, she took it to the next level. She is uh, she holds the career record for free throws, steals. Also is good enough for 15 all time in NCAA Division one career list. And she is a uh, second all-time uh, scoring at her university, two-time all-conference uh, uh, honors. With no further ado, I want to bring to our podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Coach Demetria Frank. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Happy to be here, guys. Thank you all for the opportunity. Definitely. Awesome. awesome. Well, we appreciate you. We thank you for taking the time out. We know you got um, things going on, and thank you for making some time for us. But uh, our podcast is generally about, you know, diving into the stories of our guests, really the backgrounds give individuals more insight uh, behind the scenes of what they experience on their journey, right? A lot of times people just see 
the highlights, right, or the, you know, the, the outcomes. But a lot of times they don't get to really see some of the, you know, the, the hard work, the obstacles that was faced. So we just want to go beyond the hype. So um, with that being said, we just want to kind of dive into your story, uh, just allow you to kind of give some insight so that we're able to share with some of those that may be following in your footsteps. Sounds good. Sounds good. So um, Demetria Frank, I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, graduated from Miami Jackson Senior High School uh, for the haters out there. Um, so that was a while ago. Um, so we, we've got a long way to go as far as athletics at, at my high school, but we were good back then. Um, and so just growing up in Miami, um, everybody knows it as this great tourist place. You know, but if you're really from Miami, you're really from that side of it. Um, you understand what it means to get out of Miami. Um, and so I stand on the other side today. Um, I made it out of Miami and I'm proud of that. Uh, my family's happy for me. That's one of the biggest things um, that keeps me going, you know, just making sure my family's happy, making sure they're set. Um, and I'm just grateful to be here, man. Now coaching at George Mason University. Uh, I spent my college years at Bethune-Cookman University. I started my coaching career there as well. So BCU holds a, a great part of my heart. Um, and I'm just happy where I am now. You know, they say grow where you're planted. You know, I grew there and now I'm, and I'm here. So happy for that. Absolutely. So we're excited. Definitely. We're going to kind of dive into a little bit, um, you know, just kind of in the weeds, just try to find out a little bit more. So now you did say you're born and raised from Miami. Uh, Day County. Day County. So I, I just kind of tell me a little bit about where you're from in Day County and just kind of how it was for you kind of growing up. So I grew up um, North Miami, Opelika kind of area. I went to school and some would say a little Haiti and then I did high school in Liberty City. Um, so I've been all around, you know, Miami, just going to school, having friends in different areas. Um, growing up in Miami, it was a, a decent lifestyle, you know, middle class family, uh, North Miami and just different breeds of people. You know, you you got your your Haitians, your, you know, your Cubans, your Puerto Ricans and all those different styles of people. And it's it's just great to be a part of those different communities for some time. You know, and I have friends, you know, from those different backgrounds. So it's just it was great growing up in Miami and just being introduced, you know, to different people. So now I know how to gap, navigate in the world. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, when, when did you get first involved in sports and uh, who inspired you early on? Oh, man, my dad has, has always been that guy for me. Um since a young kid, I think I played basketball for over 20 years. You know, I started at four or five and it was just something that I, I fell in love with. And I played several sports. I played baseball, softball. Um, I like to play football in the street with the boys. I think that's what made me so good in basketball, just that competitive spirit and that toughness, you know, that I, that I learned from just playing street football and anticipation skills um, on, on the defensive side of it. So all those different things, um, help mold me into a better basketball player. But yeah, my dad has, has definitely been that guy who was who would sacrifice anything that I needed him to um to make sure I had the money or the resources, whatever I needed to just kind of be successful in basketball. And I want to leave my mom out, you know. She was she was there. She made sure I ate well at night, you know. Um but my dad is definitely a guy who inspired me. He would go outside with me, do the drills with me. He worked overnight, you know, and I would wake him up during the day when he was trying to rest for the night job, bouncing the basketball outside. And I wanted to play, you know, and that's just something that I, he put a goal outside and that was his fault. <laughs> he put the goal outside. So that was his fault. But, you know, it, it was just, it was great to, for him to, to see this side of me now, you know, and him, he poured into me when I was a young kid and, and I'm grateful for that. So he's definitely my inspiration. 
So, so, so tell me, when did you, because you said you mentioned that you play a couple different sports. So when did you really start to take basketball seriously? Oh, um, I want to say I always took it seriously. It was always like my primary sport. You know, all the other sports I was, I was really good at too, but basketball was just something about the game of basketball um, that I knew that I could be really good if I put the work in. Um, and I want to say, and you may think I'm joking, but maybe five, six, like I, I knew, like I was, I was going to be really good in basketball. And, and I just learned from a, a different perspective. Like I always thought the game, it just wasn't about skill. It was about why, why am I doing this? Why should I pass here? Why should this person get the basketball? So it was more of an IQ, um, having an IQ for the game at a young age uh, that allowed me to be successful. Cool. Uh, tell us about your high school playing career at Miami Jackson Senior High. Yeah, yeah. Um, my high school career was was great, actually. Um, we had an opportunity to. I'm gonna tell y'all a story, and and this is. <laughs> I get angry when I tell the story because one of my junior season, my junior season, we had a great team. Um, we had just beat. Miami High. Miami High was Northwestern is normally our rival, but in basketball, Miami High was the other premier program. So we we played them and we were always lose to them. So we get to the GMACs, which is like the county tournament. We end up in Miami High by like 30 points, you know, and we had come back that game. So it was actually a really good game. And I, that may have taken place on a Friday or a Saturday. So Monday, an article comes out, you know, we have an ineligible player, X, Y, and Z, and it's like our season's over. And so we had – and Miami High went on to win the state championship that year uh, by default, I would say, because they knocked us out. But it was like the kid who our season got canceled because of wasn't even a player that contributed, you know. And so I would say that's kind of how my my high school year seasons went. You know, we had really good teams, and we, we made it – we never made it to state, and that was probably the furthest we had gotten. Um, but I would always remember that story. Because I'm like, man, we should have won state that year. We had about three or four Division One basketball players on our team at that time, um, and there was no question about us, you know, being the best players, best players in the county or the state, rather. So my my career was okay. Um, I, I made some great long term friendships, um, but playing wise, that's something that I will always remember. Um, but otherwise, it was it was good. No complaints. Well, being being an athlete from Miami, we've uh, I don't I don't know too many schools or athletes during their career they didn't experience some some of that, right? Because I think you know just being in that environment, a lot of times we know things you know get a little risky. But um, as you mentioned, Miami Jackson, Miami Northwestern being the rival, right? Like um, <laughs> man, like so 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 that was back when I played, you played, you know that was the rival yep. in Miami, right? There was no there was no better. Uh, no man, when you talk about those history, I'm just kind of giving Dre some back back liars. So, like Miami Northwestern and and, and 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 Miami Jackson, true rivals through and through for years. We played in this game called the Soul Bowl. And I'm talking about you talk about tens of thousands of people will show up to this yeah. game, man. It was serious. Yeah, you know? we're playing serious. in the Orange Bowl, or you playing in what they call now the Hard Rock Stadium. You know, down there, you're selling out. You know, those are two premier programs, like. Those guys were ballers. Like they could go like NFL bound. Absolutely. So talk talk a little bit about your recruitment process, right? Just kind of how that went for you, and how did you end up deciding to go uh, where you decided to go? 
Okay, so my recruiting process started, I want to say it started pretty late for me. I, and you you may know, being from Miami, you just don't have that that guidance, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things I didn't know about college, and college coaches were reaching out to me, um, and I was just unaware. You know, I, I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to make this decision by myself. Uh, my, my dad and my mom tried to chime in, but I was really trying to walk that path by myself and, and not reaching out and getting the help that I needed. So my recruiting process was probably harder than it needed to be. Um, I did end up taking all of my official visits. Um, even with that, going to those schools, I was like, ah, like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Um, and so I remember going to FIU. Um, and that's one one thing my dad will always say, man, you should have went to FIU. And I'm like, dad, no, I, I made the right decision, you know. And so I ended up, I took the visit to FIU and I was like, mm, kind of after it. And I, I just, I thought to myself, like, you know, let me just keep looking, you know, let me keep looking. And, um, but Don Cookman came in the picture late, like really late. I ended up signing maybe June or July before I was supposed to actually attend college. Um, and I came on a visit here or there, uh, left there. And I still had that feeling like, man, okay. So I decided, and this is a true story, I, I actually committed to a junior college. I was like, I'm going to take two years. I'm going to figure something out. Um, and then something resonated in me, and I was like, you know, you need to be there. And this is before, you know, I knew who Mary McLeod Bethune was, before I knew the impact that Bethune Cookman would have on me and their athletic uh, program and administration, just those people on that campus. Um, and so I I heard, I think it was Nick Collins, I heard him say this, but Bethune-Cookman chose me. And I was like, man, like, I feel the same way. Um, I could have probably went to any school I wanted to, you know, and I ended up going to Bethune-Cookman, and it was probably the best decision I had ever made, you know, just being able to experience my culture and um, be surrounded by people that look like me in that atmosphere for those years of my life that I was really trying to figure out myself. Um, that was probably one of the greatest blessings that I, I got to experience. So I was super happy with my decision to attend Bethune-Cookman. Um, super happy how that recruiting process turned out. And, and God will do it every time. You know, he'll sit you down and he'll put you where you need to be. So I was definitely I'm just pleased and excited, you know, to be a Wildcat for those years. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Uh, just thinking back to my college, me going to college or whatever, and I was like going out all the different schools, just trying to just check them out, check them out, check them out. I, I, I wish I would have kind of went to like a, a school like you went to school, you know, like you, you kind of figure out who you are. Like I did, I couldn't figure who I was around a bunch of people that didn't look like me. So I had to really like just kind of just just kind of just live, you know what I mean? I didn't really know, know that I didn't feel who I was back then. And now, now, now I'm trying to do that now, I'm trying to figure out who I am now. It's kind of, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm older doing it now, so I so, wish so I was younger doing it like, like you did it. Then, then, mm-hmm. Great idea to kind of go to a black black school and kind of figure out who you really are. Yeah, no, yeah. It's definitely a blessing, man. And, and just they they just groomed you, you know. They they pour into you and they pour into you with love. So it's not yeah. like you're not gonna make mistakes. And we're all kids and we're gonna make mistakes at those ages. But you know they they push you to be the best that you can be. The professors are are extra careful with the instruction. You know they're teaching you from real life circumstances. Yeah. Um, and I'm just grateful for that, man. I, I I agree. You know, just going to a, a HBCU helped me and grew me to where I am today. Not that other schools wouldn't, but I'm just proud of the decision that I made to attend yeah. one. Yeah, that's what's up. that's big time. That's what's up. Yeah, thank you. What, what was the biggest adjustment for you coming from? High school to to college. What, what, what like your biggest obstacle? Your biggest like biggest adjustment? Oof. 
Y'all will probably agree with this one. Time management. Yeah. Man, time management. I remember having to wake up at five and six to, to get to weights. And you got a class at eight o'clock and you got to get food in between then. And then you got an individual workout and then you got study hall. Then you have practice. Then you have more classes. Then you got to find time for homework. And then let's talk about the social life at HBCU. You got to pour that in there. You know, so so you can't leave out that part. So it was, man, time management was definitely the, the biggest adjustment, you know, for me and just making sure that I was organized um, early. You know, first time on campus, you know, I remember just my head spinning with so much going on, so many people, so many activities. Um, and, and I had to learn that early. Like I had to prioritize things that were important to me. So let me hop on because as a uh, Bethune-Cookman alumni myself, just as you mentioned, going back to being from Miami and not really taking, you know, the, the college, understanding the college process, right? So for me, I same thing happened to me. Bethune-Cookman fell on my lap, right? right. I had no real understanding outside of just knowing about the classic, but I had no real understanding of the rich history. So right. it, just as you said, it chose me. Now you can't stop me from screaming uh, BCU to any and everybody. And although I, I live in Texas and it's, you know, it's SWAC country and I'm excited to win the SWAC now. So people can really know more about who we are, but you know, a lot of people are not as familiar with us as they are some of the bigger names, but I tell, you know, as many people as I can, the HBCU experience helped mold me. I had a better academic career in college than I did in high school or ever. Right. You know? right. Just because of that and how you're able to connect with professors. And then you kind of mentioned, like as Dre mentioned, you find yourself and kind of see where you fit into this whole thing. And it just gives you the confidence to kind of really walk that out. So, I mean, I can completely agree with you on that. <laughs> Hell Wildcats, man. No, it was definitely, man. I, we probably had some of the same professors. You know, I remember working there and my, my players having the same professors that I had. And I'm and my players are telling me different stories. And I'm like, um, let me call them. And the professor has a totally different, you know, story. And I'm like, you can't get that past me. I had the same class you had. You know what I'm saying? So no, it was it was definitely, man, exactly what you're saying. And I'm happy they're in the swag too. Now the other side of the world can get to experience, you know, what we already know. Um and, and so that's good. Good. Absolutely. So you had a stellar career at BCU, as I mentioned, two times all MEAC uh, selection, um, selection, second all-time leader in school history, um, the, the nation's leader in steals uh, your senior year. Can you talk about your college success and then maybe when it clicked for you um, to where you knew that you were the, the leader of the team and how you kind of kind of developed that and kind of walked into that? Oh, man. So I, I've always been different. Um, I've always been uh, when I was a kid, it was it was just something about me, you know, that that made me just different from my peers, the way I moved. Um, just not an ego, um, but just understanding the life, you know, living, living bigger than the moment. And, and, I, and I knew that the game of basketball was something that was really special to me and I wanted to be really good at it. And I wanted my family and my friends to be proud of me. So I, I always did the work. You know, I remember summers pushing cars and and just doing all this extra stuff to get my body prepared um, for the upcoming season. Um, and, and it clicked early. You know, I was starting as a freshman at, at Bethune-Cookman and it clicked very early for me that I had to be a leader on my team. Um, and, and my teammates were great. You know, they they understood that role, too. And sometimes I didn't, you know, and sometimes I wanted to shy away from it because I was young and, and just that pressure of being responsible for other people. Um, but I'm grateful that I did have those experiences because they helped me, you know, become a better coach. Um, and I knew for 
I would say my entire college career that I was a leader and that I had to be and I had to move differently and I had to operate under a certain standard, you know, for my team to to be successful. Um, and, and, you know, it, we weren't as successful as we wanted to be, um, but I knew. I knew it was it was on me. Uh, after graduating, you had a chance to play overseas. Can you talk about that dream coming true and what the experience was like for you? Yeah, no. Um, so when I finished up, you know, I didn't play immediately after. Um, but I ended up going to Australia, um, and I got a chance to play in Puerto Rico as well. Um, and just that experience coming full circle, being able to play at the highest level for, you know, it's definitely a dream come true, something that you dream about, you work you work hard for. It. I mean, you guys be NFL guys, you know. Um, you get to that, that level in your career, and it's like, man, you know, all the hard work is kind of paid off. And so – those experiences were great. Australia was definitely a culture shock, man. I mean, I remember seeing kangaroos, you know, on the side of the road, and, and I had never experienced that before, and they were also a delicacy over there. So, you know, they would eat kangaroos as well. So it was it was definitely a, a – we're driving on a different side of the road. I mean, there was just – it was just so many animals, and Jeff, you know, I'm, I'm a city girl, so I had I'm not used to seeing the horses and all this, you know. In that side of Australia, I'm like, wow, you know. But it was definitely something that I would tell anybody, you know, if you have an opportunity to play overseas, wherever it is, go, um, because you're just going to experience something that you would never get to experience in your hometown or wherever you are, you know. And just from the fast food to the foods they're eating, just being more healthy and, and more natural selections, not all the um, antibiotics and steroids that we use over here in the United States. I mean, it's definitely a culture shock. And I, I love Australia, man. It was definitely a great experience. Um, I didn't like the time, though. That we were on the time difference. I think I was a day ahead. So it was hard getting in contact with my family sometimes. I would be going to sleep. They'll be waking up and vice versa. Um, but that experience was, man, it was great. It was great, man. I wanted to mention a little bit about you, you saying that you didn't go right away. And a lot of times, you know, people will give up if it don't come immediately or if they don't get the opportunity right away. Talk about uh, just quickly, just talk about what that process was like for you and what, what kept you uh, going uh, and, and even to continue to pursue that, uh, that, that dream. It took a lot to keep me going, man. There was times where I felt like, you know, it wouldn't happen, um, but I had to bet on myself. You know, I, I would encourage anybody to bet on yourself. If you feel like there's something that you could do and it's possible for you, you have the right resources, you know, bet on yourself. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You know, if it's something that's in your heart to do and God's put on your heart, then go for it. I remember working, you know, two jobs and I, my last job was at a rec center. And when the rec center closed that night, you know, you had to shut it down. And I remember just being in there. I had been up all day. So, like, after 9 o'clock, I was working out, you know, trying to get ready for the opportunity, if the opportunity came, you know. And it, it was just something that a lot of people aren't built like that. You know, you really got to be built to, to bet on yourself, to be self-motivated, to grind the way that I had to grind and, and get ready for those opportunities. Because a lot of no's happen. You know, you, you get looked over. Um, other people get those opportunities. There's injuries and there's all these other things that occur. Um, but you you really got to be a different breed to bet on yourself and to have that confidence enough to be just self-motivated in, in that darkness. You know, and that's what it was, the darkness, because you never knew if it was going to happen or not. You was just you was grinding on an empty road, you know, but the light came and I'm grateful for it. So I tell anybody you have that opportunity, you know, take it, take it.
And I'm glad I wanted you to highlight that too, because again, some people may think that if it don't happen right away, then it's over or they give up. And a lot of times, you know, uh, success is right on the other side, right? And um, you just stand prepared and stand ready for the opportunity to put you in a position to be able to capitalize off the opportunity when it came. Um, so definitely wanted to make sure we get that out there so that people can know um, that part of you know your story and that it was it wasn't something that was just you know given to you right after you finished. No, sure. And then I want to chime in just coming from an HBCU. You know, a lot of people think you know going to an HBCU I won't get those opportunities. That's not true. You know, if you're good enough, they're gonna find you. And that's what happened in my case. I got the opportunity coming from HBCU. And like I said, you just take it and you run with it. You know, don't don't think no less of yourself because you where you attend, your numbers gonna speak for themselves. Absolutely. So let's talk about your transition from pro, pro basketball into coaching. What was that journey like for you? Oh man. So I, when I came back from overseas, I was I had a teaching job and I knew I knew that I wanted to be a coach. Um, but I stayed around the game and you know, I was I was a graduate of Bethune Cookman, as we know, and I, I stayed in coach co close contact with Coach Blair, um, and I would just help when I could, you know, volunteer when I could. And man, that that transition, I'm gonna say it was it was probably easier than some some other people's transition, just because I was going home. You know, Bethune Cookman was home for me. I didn't have to really find a different way to navigate. Um, jumping on the professional side of it, you know, was a bit of a challenge because there are some things that. You know, I just couldn't do anymore. There was rules in place. There was a amount of time that I could be on the floor, you know, with the young ladies. And uh, so that whole thing, just figuring out the rules and that side of it. But knowing that I want to coach, you know, and having those opportunities to just kind of pour into local AAU teams and, and train young kids. I, I knew that I wanted to pour into someone and, and give someone this knowledge that I had of the game. And who knew I would be a college coach? Um, but I'm grateful that I have this opportunity each and every day to serve in this capacity for sure. Okay. I, I have this chance to join the staff of your beloved university and get to work alongside the great Vanessa Blair Lewis. Can you talk about the experience and the success you guys had? Man. So coach Blair, I just want to speak on her for a second, man. She is probably one of the best human beings that I have ever met. Um, and, and I say that because I've known her for about 13 years now. And coming in, she came to my life. It was 2008, I believe. And we didn't get along right away. A lot of people think, you know, it was all roses. It wasn't. You know, she wanted something out of me that I didn't think I could give. Um, and I look back now and I'm like, man, that was probably the best push that I ever had. You know, she pushed me to be the all-time steals leader and, and through her defensive philosophies, uh, pushed me to be second in scoring, getting those free throws attempts, just kind of um, exploiting my strengths. Um, and she put me in position to just kind of be this person I am today. So being able to join the staff and experience that success, uh, she has five championships and I was a part of three. Um, just super grateful for that opportunity, man. But Thun Cookman deserved that success. We had been down and out for so long. So to see the program um, that, that I was once a part of as a player, experience that, man, it's no better feeling. It's no better feeling at all. And for a place like Bethune-Cookman that doesn't get a lot of recognition, you know, a lot of people think, oh, they don't think much of Bethune-Cookman, but to put us on that platform, um, and even here today, to have this platform to speak about it, you know, I don't take those things for granted, man. So as you mentioned, talking about uh, Coach, Coach Lewis, Coach Blair, um, 
just like chills came over me because being an athlete and having a head coach believe in you, I was a walk on that, you know, had to earn a scholarship. And, mm-hmm. and it got to a point where, you know, me and the head coach relationship was was as tight as can be. And he saw things in me and encouraged me and lift me up as a guy who, again, wasn't a part of their recruiting process or any of that stuff to kind of come in and be able to shine or for him to see you. So even to this day, me and him stay in contact. And that's the type of relationships I believe are fostered in the environment in which we talk about HBCUs and coaches that believe in you. And it's more than just what you can do for them on the field, right? They want to see you successful off the field. So that just, that just speaks to that coach and that environment. I think her being the the kind of coach and kind of person that she was has molded me into the kind of coach that I am today. Just being a player coach, like the kids matter. First and foremost, you know what I'm saying? And I heard you guys talking earlier about, you know, the NCAA allowing those those kids to just experience um, or reap the benefits, you know, of what they bring to the university. It's awesome. It's awesome, man. Kids deserve that. They deserve to be able to, to eat when they're hungry. Um, and, and I just kind of just love touching on her because she she has done this. You know, she, she told my parents that she would be in my life for the rest of my life. And she meant that, you know, she means that when she tells all of our young ladies that. So just super grateful, man. And and <laughs> winning those championships there, you have no you have no idea. I remember being like six and 20, you know, and then being on the other side of it, being 20 and six or something like that. So, man, it's, it's just, oh, man, you talk about chills for sure. Listen, and, and during this time, too, because I remember as an alumni and just – um, being so proud of the university because not only were we starting to win in basketball, but we had been dominating in football. So it was like, yeah. man, we're on track teams. I mean, it was just yeah. a great time to see the success coming from our beloved university. And I was like, you know, a lot of people who wasn't aware of us started to become more aware of us, you know, Absolutely. on a national level, you know, playing team on TVs and stuff. So I was just always proud. And like I said, I got to see you as a part of the staff and you guys standing on those podiums, man, it was just, I, it was proud. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. be more proud. So, um, as you talk about that that stellar run that you guys had at BCU and winning those championships, and um, you know, Coach Blair Lewis accepted a, the coaching um, job opportunity, rightfully so, um, at George Mason, and offered you an opp- opportunity to come alongside you. Can you talk about what it meant to you um, and how how that experience has gone so far? Oh well, it meant the world to me. You know that she believed in me enough to to carry me on. It's it's very very rare, you know, that a coach takes another job and brings the staff with her or with him. Um, And for her to believe in our entire staff, you know, bringing us up here from Florida, we all had to leave our families behind. So I think it's sometimes it's a two-way street. Like we believe in her enough that we're going to get this done. You know, whatever needs to be done, we're going to, we're going to be here for her. And that, that love and loyalty shows her just being able to bring us um, up here to George Mason. And this opportunity is just so great because to experience the success at Bethune-Cookman and now to come here and try to build another program up um, with the right people for the job. You know, and we believe that and we work every day knowing, you know, that it's going to be some challenges, um, but but we are the right people for the job and we are in the right place. And she gets the opportunity to come home, you know. So she came to Florida years ago and she poured into me basically in my home state and now now she gets to be back home around her family and her friends, you know, and have this, this great success here at George Mason. So it's an exciting time to be in Mason nation for sure. We'll be, we'll be a mess to a young lady who had dreams of playing pro. 
and for whatever reason, it's not it's not doing it, it didn't work out, and she is in a different season of transition. What would what 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 your advice to her? Um, I I like to challenge all my young ladies now to figure out what's next, even if they do have a career in basketball. Um, I think I was once them. I know I was once them, and not knowing what was next thinking basketball was going to last forever and not being aware that when the basketball stops, um, real life happens, real life goes on, like there are bills. Um, <laughs> there's there's family issues and there's things that you have to go through and basketball can't be your sanctuary. Um, and so once being an athlete, my challenge to my young ladies now is to always figure out what are you passionate about outside of the game of basketball? So when a time like that happens and you don't get the opportunity to compete overseas, you're not so crushed that you can't go on. You know, I, I remember being depressed and just so in a dark space because you just don't think about life after sports. Growing up, if sports is all you think about, all you do, all you eat, sleep and drink, like, and it's taken away from you, how do you react? It's very hard um, to navigate. And, and when the sport that you love and that you spent so much of your time on is gone, um, and so I just challenge all young ladies to just kind of figure out what's next, get a resume ready, um, take some courses of just things that interest you. And it doesn't have to be something where you're like, oh, I want to stop playing basketball. I want to do this. But you should always have an exit strategy, I'd say. So when the basketball stops, you know, all right, I can do this. And you take what you take from the game. You take the professional relationships that you build, that networking, all of those things. When we're, we're in airports traveling, take your headphones out. You know, there may be somebody walking by or there may be somebody that you start a conversation with, and that can be the link to your future. You know, so we have to, as athletes, you have to use this opportunity um, for your future. You know, don't use, don't let the game use you. Use the game. Those networking opportunities, um, professional seminars, there are different um, strategies and and different situations going on at each university where young ladies can kind of figure out what's going on, just about finances, about life, about credit, all those different things you need to be aware of before you graduate college, you know, so that when the ball stops bouncing, if you don't get that opportunity, you're not so struck and so heartbroken, you know, that you you have a real idea of what life is going to be like. Um, so I would just have a real conversation with that young lady and let her know, like, hey, originally this thing is going to stop bouncing, whether you make it to the W or not. You know, that ball is going to stop bouncing and you have to figure out what's next. I got to be realistic with you. Hey, this is what this is what your plan should be. You know, we got to figure those things out from a realistic standpoint. Um, it's always going to stop bouncing, but it's how you navigate it that that makes, you know, that takes that emotion out of it, that makes it less heartbreaking, I would say. You couldn't have said that no better. Uh, we've been doing this, and this has been the main focus of how we talk about it because the ball will go flat one yeah. day, regardless of what ball it is, it will go flat. And being able to make that adjustment, starting it as early as possible, understanding who you are, what you like to do, making those relationships in those spaces help that transition and not have to deal with or go through the depression because now all the expectations and all your hopes and dreams uh, is not coming true based on what you originally vision so being able to count and i think even with the opportunities to benefit from that name image and likeness it gives yeah. the opportunity to be out in that 
um, that professional space. And I like to encourage guys, even the guys in the, when they was in the NFL, and they would get to do these endorsement deals and go out and meet and greets with Arise and all these different things. I would always tell them, make sure that you are in conversations with those executives, yep. these people yep. are in position, because you never know what that partnership can look like post-playing career, what you can do for them and what they can do for you for your career moving forward. So just get out of that bubble. A lot of times athletes, you like to be in our bubble, right? You like to just yeah, do what you sure. do and stay in that space. So what you said was so on point and so key that, I mean, we couldn't have said it any better. So I definitely appreciate you um, um, highlighting that. Uh, no worries. No worries. I think when you go through it, it's easier to communicate, you know, and so it's it's something that's that's real, you know, and I'm saying that now and this will air and somebody will take heed to it, but there's gonna be an athlete that doesn't, you know, and they're gonna go through that dark space. Not not like the end of the world is the world is ending, but it may feel like it at that time. But we just gotta be proactive, you know, as athletes. We just gotta be proactive. Absolutely. Great. You have anything else for I, I mean, she she put that thing on the boat. Yeah, she, she, she put it down. He put it down there, girl. He put it down there, girl. But uh, like you said, man, when, when I retired too, I felt I felt like that first year, man. I I didn't I didn't do anything because like I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I I know I know not without the football. So it just it just like what what to what to do, Dre? Like I was just really like what to do. I didn't have, I didn't have anything to do. Like <laughs> every day I was like trying to figure out some, what, what what I was gonna do. It, it, it was tough. It was real hard, real tough. But uh, I had a lot of mentors. I had a mentor that really got got, got talking to me about going going back to school. So I went, I went back, 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 back to school and got my give, give, give me my MBA now. So that, that it really helped me out, kind of get just getting like used, getting comfortable being around like known people now. Yeah, I've been around people all my life, so I'm kind of being around known people now and like just trying to trying to figure out what, what I want what I want to do now. So it really really been helping now. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. really I'm, I'm feeling more like more mature about about my life now. Good, 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 man. Congratulations, too, man. Thank you, thank you. All that good stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I, I am rooting for you guys. I am now a new George Mason University <laughs> fan, so I will be tuning in and, you know, texting you throughout the season and encouraging you guys. So I appreciate you. The best to you guys up there. And, again, thank you for joining our platform. Man, no, thank you guys for having me. Love what you guys are doing, man. You know, we Wildcats, we're going to stick together. Nice to meet you, Dre, man. I just appreciate this whole platform, man. You guys keep it up. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life. Been grinding all my life, yeah. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. One slice. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.